Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Women's Tennis Association has suspended its tournaments in China. Some hedge funds are having to go to extreme measures to recruit top traders. In France, wind energy has been swept into a national political debate. And a severe water shortage sparked weeks of protests in Iran. Water has surely become a hydropolitical crisis in Iran. And it's probably the biggest challenge that the Islamic Republic is going to face in the not too distant future. I'm Joanna Gao, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Women's Tennis Association says it will suspend its tournaments in China because of Beijing's handling of tennis player Peng Shuai. Last month, the Chinese tennis star accused a former top Communist Party official of sexual assault. Since then, her Weibo account has been censored and her whereabouts were unknown for several weeks. Yesterday, Steve Simon, the head of the U.S.-based WTA, said he hasn't received satisfactory assurances that Peng is free safe, and not subject to censorship. The organization holds 10 global tournaments in China. It also has a contract to host its marquee finals in the southern Chinese city of Shenzhen. The WTA executive said he's concerned about the risks that his players and staff could face if his organization were to hold events in China in 2022. Hedge funds have made out well during the pandemic. So well that in one especially cutthroat corner of the industry, multi-manager funds, there's a war for talent. Firms are pulling out all the stops to recruit top traders, and traders have become pretty bold. Here's the FT's hedge fund correspondent, Lawrence Fletcher. So I heard this instance where a firm had approached a trader. They wanted to hire them. Uh, The trader said, OK, if you want to hire me, it's $10 that you'll need to cough up. And the firm said, well, is there any negotiation in that? And they were told, no negotiation. So, Lawrence, how did the war for talent at these hedge funds get so brutal? What's really changed is that um, these funds have done so well during the pandemic, essentially. And they've done really well because, A, they're diversified into lots of different strategies and assets. That's been very good when markets have been choppy. And also they're very good at risk management as well, which basically means that when markets fall very quickly, they're very good at cutting risk. And when markets are you know, rebounding, they're very good at sort of increasing risk again. So basically these funds have you know, swollen in assets you know, by, by 100 billion in the course of two years. So they just need more traders basically to run all this money. That's Lawrence Fletcher. He covers hedge funds for the FT. In northern France, locals have been protesting against a multi-billion euro offshore wind energy project. It's not the first time there have been protests against wind farms, but this one's collided with national elections. Here's the FT's Sarah White. This one has sparked particularly strong protests locally. So you've had you know, fishermen going out in their boats at sea when drilling started, underwater drilling started this year and, and sort of sending a flotilla out. So it's been quite a colourful protest that, that's attracted some attention. But I think what's it's not so much this wind farm in particular, it's more that politicians have jumped on it because wind farms more generally have become quite symbolic in France. And particularly on on the right, on the far right and in the conservative 
party, wind farms have become more and more sort of ideological target in the sense that, you know, people are assimilating this with the destruction of the countryside, of French landscapes. And so that has made it suddenly this incredibly, you know, vocal talking point in France. But Sarah, in the broader discussion of clean energy, how much does France need wind energy? I mean, the country is known for having a very large nuclear energy industry. Does that play into this debate? I mean, that's a huge part of the debate. The French nuclear industry has been a, a source of great national pride for many years. It's the source of many jobs in France. So it has a lot of backers. I mean, that's, that includes the government and that includes in particular parties on the right, on the on the left and among green parties, it has some detractors. You know, there's worries about an over-reliance on nuclear as a safe source for, of energy. But certainly there's a very sort of strong pro-nuclear lobby and in France, and that plays into the debate on wind. There's a feeling among manufacturers and developers of wind projects that the anti-feeling in France partly comes from that, from, you know, a sort of strong pro-nuclear lobby group that doesn't necessarily want this rivalry from other sources of energy. But what all analysts and government institutions will tell you is that without developing and massively ramping up sources of renewable energy in France, and that's not just wind, that's solar as well, France is never going to reach its its mid-term and long-term energy transition targets. Sarah White is the FT's Paris correspondent. In Iran, there have been big protests in the southern city of Isfahan. Hundreds of farmers and other residents camped out, basically occupying the parched riverbed of the city's main waterway. They wanted water. They were vowing not to leave until water was back into the river, which was an impossible demand. The FT's Tehran correspondent, Najmeh Bazorgmer, has been monitoring the protests. She says they started peacefully. And then security forces intervened and cleared the riverbed. And then there were clashes at midnight. But Esfahan residents, who thousands of whom had joined farmers the week before, went back to the riverbed and staged a major protest. They chanted anti-regime slogans and the riot police used tear gas and shotguns to disperse the crowd. Many were injured. I've not heard of any deaths, but tens apparently were arrested. And this water crisis isn't just a problem for Isfahan. Najmeh says the country has faced water shortages for thousands of years. But in recent decades, the problem has become severe. The population has more than doubled. Iran is struggling with drought for the past two decades. Meanwhile, there has been state mismanagement uh, by which populist politicians have capitalized on votes of farmers and rural people and allowed them to overuse underground water resources. Uh, farmers plant water-intensive crops and nobody in the government stops them. And even if the government did try to deal with the shortage in Isfahan's Zayende Rood River or anywhere else, Najmeh says they wouldn't have many options. To be honest, there is not much the government can do at this stage because there is no water behind dams. Zayende Rood Dam is 86% empty. It's almost empty. So water cannot be given to farmers. On the other hand, the government is struggling with the U.S. sanctions and the shrinking income 
So it's not even easy to pay farmers to go and sit home until, I don't know, if in the spring there is rain, if there is more water later. So it's a very complicated situation for the government that it can neither give farmers water nor much money to compensate for their losses. Najme told me that sanctions make it hard for Iran to even consider options like new irrigation technology. But the international community does need to pay attention. Yes, I, I think this crisis, this water crisis in Iran, definitely needs international help. This is going to be the biggest crisis. And one environmental activist rightly told me that if that happens, it's not going to be only Iran's problem. Iran has a population of 85 million people. If there is no water, where are they going to go? They have to migrate from the country. This is going to turn into a global problem. Najme Bazorgmer is the FT's correspondent in Tehran. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.